last week we talked about how to be wiser in our relationships. Uh, we looked at uh, also how to be wiser in our decisions. We had an introduction on, on wisdom here. And you know what? God knows that all of us need wisdom. God knows that, that we need wisdom, uh, that we have big decisions to make. Maybe you have uh, people in your life there that they could use a little bit of wisdom from you. You know, they're going through something, and if they don't get some wisdom, it's going to be a difficult time. It's going to be a disaster, you know. So people need wisdom here. And God never wants us to be in a place where we don't have wisdom. He never wants us to be in that place. So what God did then is he gave us a book in the Bible of Proverbs here. You know, in the Bible, there's there's commands, you know, there's things which the Bible says, just like, just do it, you know. And then there are promises, which, you know, are, are guarantees. And then there are Proverbs, which are directives that teach us really how to live a life of wisdom. So I'm going to give you a little quiz here, and you tell me what is what here. Okay, so Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That would be what? That would be a command, right? That would be a command. Good. We're one for one, all right? So, good job. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That would be what? That would be a promise. Yeah. Okay. And then last week we looked at something, walk with the wise and be wise, but the companion of fools, you know, he's going to suffer harm. That would be a proverb, right? So good. Three for three. We're off to a fast start. So the smart people come to nine o'clock. Anyway, so Proverbs is all about gaining wisdom. How do we gain wisdom? And so here's the critical hinge point. Here's what you got to get and you can't miss this here. The wisdom is something that you have to want. You have to want wisdom here. It's this incredible gift that God gives you, okay? This incredible gift, but not everybody gets wisdom. And why don't they get wisdom? Here's the bottom line in your notes. You need to want wisdom, okay, in every area of your life for all of your life. In every area of your life for all of your life. Here's what I know to be true. People want a little bit of wisdom. You know, they're in a relationship. Yeah, I could use a little bit of wisdom for a relationship. All my financial world is messed up. I need a little bit of wisdom there. But the genius is this, is that you want wisdom in every area of your life for all of your life here. And so people end up pursuing wisdom for just a period of time and not all of their life there. And so what you want to do is know this. Wisdom, it's not, in your notes there, it's not just a destination, what wisdom is, really, it's a lifelong journey that you never exit from. So check this out, Proverbs chapter 2. I want to read this to you here. Proverbs says this, writing to his son, Rehoboam. And he shouts how supremely important wisdom is here, to make it your focus, to prioritize it, to do absolutely everything that you can to get wisdom. Watch, my child, listen to what I say, and treasure my commands. Tune your ears. See, you've got to want it here. You've got to focus. You've got to prioritize. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them as hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. In other words, do absolutely everything that you can to gain wisdom. Then it says, for the Lord... Grants wisdom. Oh, we talked about that, how God grants wisdom through his wise children, through his word, through the whispers of his Holy Spirit there. And so then it says, uh, it's not in your notes, but for wisdom will enter your heart 
and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. In other words, your decisions there, your choices will become wiser if you do this. If you, you know, uh, seek wisdom. And in your notes there, look at that. Treasure, seek out, ask, search, tune your ears. These are passionate words. These aren't calm, you know, uh, just, just neutral words. They're very passionate. James said, we looked at, if anyone lacks wisdom, you have to ask. So you're asking God for wisdom. You have to hunger for wisdom. And so wisdom comes to, to not the, not the intelligent, not to the fortunate, but those that are determined to find wisdom there in every area of your life here. And so what you want to do is ask God for wisdom. Now, so you know the story of Solomon, but I want to point out something that I haven't pointed out before. So God comes to Solomon as a, as a, as a young man and says, ask me anything that you want. Solomon says, doesn't ask for riches. I mean, if God was to come to you and say, hey, you know what? Anything you want, what do you want? Do you want to be the the most uh, talented athlete on the planet? Do you want to be the most successful businessman? Do you want to be have an extraordinary talent? Do you want to be wealthy? You know, what do you what is it that you want here? Do you want New England to lose the Super Bowl? Come on, baby. How many people want New England to lose the Super Bowl? Beginning with the speaker. All right, so. Solomon answered this. He said, you know what? I'm just a child. I'm just a child. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead this, your great people. God, if you would give me wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly and govern them, that is what I'm asking you. And so you know what God said? That's my boy. I love when, when Solomon asked me for wisdom. So because you didn't ask me for wealth and victory over your enemies and fame and success, I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you everything that you didn't ask me for. So Solomon asked God for wisdom. And that's what we do. We ask God for wisdom. I ask God for wisdom all the time. Lord, I'm a child. I don't really know what to do. Would you give me wisdom in every area of life here? And so, but here's what Solomon didn't do. Solomon didn't ask for wisdom for all of his life. So Solomon belly flopped. Do you know where he belly flopped? Solomon didn't ask for wisdom in every area of his life for all of his life. And, he, and so he made a colossal mistake. He didn't pursue wisdom, even though God poured all this amazing, you know, heavenly wisdom into him. He didn't ask for wisdom for all of his life. So he screwed the thing up here. And he screwed it up. He belly flopped in the area of his love life. So in his relationships with wisdom, Solomon didn't get it right here. He didn't get it right in all of his life for all of his life because he stopped asking God for wisdom here. So where is it then that you find wisdom? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians one twenty four, it says this. It says that Jesus Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. And so where do we get wisdom then? Mainly through relationship with him. You become wise as you, you grow in a, not a formal, but a, but a, but a genuine, authentic, real relationship with Christ. He has been made unto us wisdom. He's the wisdom of God. So when you're confused in your life, like where do you go? You just keep moving toward Jesus when you don't know where to go. Like on a regular basis, like you build that into your life. You pursue that. And, uh, and so the ways that I do it is, uh, I have accountable relationships in my life, and I've told you my story about how I pursue relationships with people that are older than me, and I've done that for pretty much my whole adult life. 
Uh, I'm also in small groups, you know, because I find there's wisdom in small groups there. So I do small groups just like we talk about you doing small groups there. And then, of course, God's Word, you know. So to be, regu- you know, on a regular basis, you know, to be viewing it and looking at it and reading it. So that's how you build wisdom into your life and uh, trafficking with God's wise children. So one of the major themes then in the Bible is this, is being wiser with your words. Now I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about the power of your words and then the power of your words to harm and the power of your words to heal. And all of us here have things to learn about people that we, that from our past about how we're no longer going to harm and how we can speak words that actually heal. So this is the word of the Lord. Think about Jesus. Jesus with his word. Think about in the beginning God spoke by the power of his word the, the heavens into existence out of nothingness. How powerful are God's words? And we were created in his image with the power to speak words. And so Jesus spoke and lepers were healed. Jesus spoke and the storms were stopped. Jesus spoke and dead men came out of their graves. And so Jesus spoke and shows the power of his word. And James says this. He says, your tongue, he says, your tongue is like a fire. Your tongue is like a beast. Your tongue is like a monster. That is the power of your tongue. And you think about history. You think about uh, how the power of someone's tongue has turned the course of history. You think about Hitler. And with his tongue, ultimately millions of people lost their life in a holocaust, a world war, because of the power, of harmful power of his tongue. I mean, the immensity of that. And then on the other hand, you look at another figure like Dr. Martin Luther King and the power of his tongue, the power of his tongue to start a civil rights movement there. And Solomon says this, hey, you need to stand back and you need to pause. You need to think you need to contemplate this because there's nothing so small that has so much power as the human tongue. And so this is what's at stake today. Here's what's at stake today. Proverbs says this in Proverbs chapter 18. It says that there is life and death in the power of your tongue. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, unpacking that. But there's, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. So I choose every day and you choose every day. Think about it. You choose every day to speak words of life or words of death. Words of death. What does that look like? Words of unforgiveness, words of anger, words of bitterness, condemning words there, guilt-producing words. All of us, we produce, we can speak words of death there that just defeat and wreck people's lives. Or, or you can speak words of life, words of hope, words of encouragement, words of respect, words of appreciation, words of, words of praise and honor and gratitude and encouragement, words of life. And so I'd ask you, are you a person that speaks words of life or words of death? There is life and death in the power of your tongue this morning. For your friends, for your family, for people in the workplace, everywhere you traffic, life and death coming forth from your tongue. And so there's a power to hurt. This is not in your notes, but in Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, okay? says, but, but this, but harsh words make tempers flare. Harsh words, 
just make tempers flare. And so many of us are experts at that. Proverbs 15.4, gentle words are like what? Are like a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue. When you're deceitful, you know what you do to people? Ultimately, eventually, you crush them. Your deceit will crush, it says crushes the spirit. Proverbs 11.9, with their words, words, the godless, you destroy people. Oh, how, how powerful are, are our words? And who's going to tell us the truth about this but God in his word? And so a gentle answer deflects ang- uh, anger. But watch, harsh words, harsh words make tempers flare. Have you ever made somebody's temper flare by your words, by your attitude of your words? Watch. You've been in a conversation maybe, and you're devaluing somebody. You're not listening to them. You're speaking hard words, harsh words. And how often is there an ugly outcome? How often does that happen? It's 100% predictable what's going to happen. The amperage escalates, right? The decibels double or more or triple. What happens? It can turn into a, gets, uh, like a shouting match there. Eventually doors can slam. Veins are popping, you know, and, uh, and accusations start flowing. Things get heated up. One party escalates. Passions, you know, are being stirred. The volume escalates and it can get increasingly offensive. There can be, you know, cutting words or potential cutting words there. And then you know what you do and you know, you know what all of us do? We have this thing inside of us. We have this thing inside of us, and they're called zinger words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got those zinger words. And uh, uh, I'll say it this service, but I won't say it next service, because my wife will be at the 11 o'clock. But so a while ago, like, I kind of had it, you know, I was like, you know, we're talking, and I was like, I'm getting a little bit edgy and a little more irritated and a little more irritated and a little more irritated, I said, I'm done. And I pulled out one of those zinger words. And you know what? And it's like a little hand grenade. It's like a little verbal, ver- you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, you pull out, you pull out the little hand grenade, uncork that baby, and just lob it over the wall, and it blows up. And you're like, you know, I got, you know, and you know it, you got those zinger words. You got those hand grenades that you pull out at just the right time. And then it's like, I can't believe you said that. And I'm not going to tell you uh, what I said. I'm not asking you to tell me your zinger words. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But, um, but all of us have those words and how hard it is to control the tongue. How hard it is. And in a moment of weakness, we reach back and we, we get that, that verbal hand grenade throw that baby there, and it does its necessary work, and it, and it hurts someone's heart there. So what do you do? What do you do when you're in a difficult situation like that? I mean, and it's tough, and your blood pressure is rising, and you're having a conversation, and there's three words that you can use that I think would help. It's just a suggestion, just a suggestion, but it's this. If you could say, help me understand. Rather than, you idiot, you, what were you thinking? Could you help me understand what you were thinking? That'll work with kids. That'll work with colleagues. You get the phone bill from your teenager for $400. Bridget, could you help me understand why the phone bill is $400? Honey, could you help me? You saved $1,000, but you spent $2,000. Could you help me understand how I saved a thousand dollars. You know, 
spouses, you know, uh, honey, could you help me understand, you know, there's a clothes basket and the clothes are 30 feet from the basket. Could you help me understand why they're not in the basket? Could you help me, uh, business people, could you help me understand why the last five people that have been under your management are now no longer working here? Could you help me understand? You know what I'm saying? Rather, what happened? You know, could you help me understand? Not being sarcastic, not, you know, because otherwise you, you come into a, to a, a truth-telling session and you make it adversarial very quickly. You make it adversarial very quickly there. And people get defensive there. So if, you know, uh, the Bible says a calm answer, calm answer helps people, you know. And so can you help me understand? Perhaps some of you have thought when you've been here at Sanctuary, can you help me understand why he speaks so long to make his points? That wasn't very funny. But if I could just say to you, help me understand why sometimes it takes so long for you to get the point. Touche. So you know what? Um, help me understand here. And so the Bible says this in Proverbs. Watch how powerful words are. Watch how powerful they are. Telling lies about others, half-truths, innuendos, telling lies about others. You want to know how harmful that is? Watch this. It's as harmful as hitting them with an axe. Okay, It's as harmful as wounding them with a sword or shooting them with an arrow. So I'm not being dramatic here. I'm just showing, I'm just going to, I'm just illustrating you what it says. Okay, this is what the Bible says, okay? It says that when you tell half-truths, you make anyone, you lie about people, you might as well take one of these out because this is what it does to them in their hearts. You bludgeon people. You wound people. You cut people. And, and we don't realize that, that we, do, we don't realize how powerful it is. Otherwise, we would stop doing it. But this is what you do. You, you hold this with your words and you're cutting, you're harming people, and all of us have done that. You know what it also says? It says that you take a sword, that's what a sword would look like in that day here. You take a sword there, and you are piercing people with your words. I mean, life and death in the power of the tongue, that your words are slicing people. How powerful is that? And then additionally, in that day, They'd have a sword or, or, or bow and arrow. And they would launch these, you know, uh, this is actually a, a, an authentic historic arrow here. But anyway, so you launch these, this poisonous wood here, you launch these uh, into people with your words. That's how powerful that our words are. And a little modern version, look at this bad boy right here. This bad boy right here. The modern version, man. Little bow and arrow there, little that's what you do. That's how powerful. Think of it. That's how powerful that your words are. Life and death in the power of the tongue. And Solomon tells us the truth. See, you can be very hard and cruel in your honesty. I just got to tell you the truth. And you can brutalize and wound people. Let me tell you the truth about you. 
and you wound them. And you know, you're not, you're not so sharp, you're making these mistakes here. The genius is this, is to, let, is to be truthful and loving at the same time there. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. And so you, you want to, it all comes from your heart. And so Proverbs says this, Proverbs 27, verse 5, says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend, from a sincere friend, are better than the kisses from the enemy. In other words, a friend, they may wound you, but it's, but it's lovingly. And it's better to have a friend tell you the hard truth about you. It's better to have that rather than somebody butter you up and cover up the hard thing that you need to hear, which will wreck or destroy your life here. So you know what the reality is of this? Is that we're all broken. I'm broken. You are broken. And, and we're, we're, we're following Christ. We're in recovery. And, and, but yet we have an attachment to these lies okay, uh, of Satan that have been, that scream in your ears, that have, wound, that have wounded you. And so where you heard that, you know, you'll never get it right. You'll never be successful. You'll never fill in the blank here. So I like to consider for a moment not just words that harm, but words that heal. And so the power of words to heal in your notes there, it says, Proverbs 10, 11, says the words of a godly, the godly are a life-giving fountain here. Imagine that, that you can speak words that are life-giving in their in- impact. So you can do this. I know you can do this. I know that everyone in here, you can speak words of life-giving impact. And so what does that look like? Well, there are certain phrases, you know, that you just say that they just, they just, uh, they just encourage and inspire and lift people up. I know you can do it. You know, like, I love you. And you learn to verbalize life-giving words. Something that I, uh, that I built into my relationships a long, long, long time ago. And I would just say this. I just, maybe you've heard it say it to you. Like, I believe in you. I believe in you. I know you can do it. And you, and you say it from your heart there. And I trust you. And I support you. And I accept you. Another thing I would tell friends is this. As I would say, I'm standing with you. I'm standing with you. Those are life-giving words there. And, see, and, and the wisdom of Solomon is saying that, look, your words matter. Your words matter here, and it's a choice to speak words of life here. And it's like this, you're locking God's, locking arms with God here, and you're breathing life into a person, and you can learn to speak words of life there. Words that will change people here. Words that will send their hearts soaring. Words that will strengthen the weak and give courage to the cowardly. Words that, words that will build up the faint of heart. Words that will heal deep wounds. Words that can, that can comfort the inconsolable. Your words have, have that power. Words that can make heaven glad and put hell on the run. The, there is power, life and death in the power of the tongue here. And so Solomon said, listen, whatever you do with your words, make sure that they're, they're life-giving words here. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the wise, they bring healing. They heal people. Your words have that power there. In Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, 
but only watch, but only words that build people up. How transformative would that be if we just did that one thing there? If you just, if you just had that scripture over your life there, building people up, building people up, not letting unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Now think about that. Think about that for just a moment. You know what that tells me? That tells me that your talk can be transformed. Your talk can be transformed. Because it says, don't let unwholesome words come out. It can so be transformed. Okay, you're transformed that there are words which build people up. Not always tearing people down here. So maybe you grew up or you were at work or whatever, and it's like, it's just, you know, profoundity out of control. And maybe a home was nasty. It was harsh. It was abusive. You know, uh, and you had a background where maybe it was just, it was mean-spirited. And you grew up in that. And that was formative to you. That formed who you were. That, that atmosphere, that environment, those words there. And they shaped you. And that, that got inside you. Well, the Bible says that God's power is so great that he can transform you that you not living that out in your generation, in your relational circle with your kids and your wife and your family and your relation, you don't have to live that out. God can transform you that your words become life-giving words that build people up here. And it doesn't mean you don't confront people. It doesn't mean you don't have fun with people. It's not saying that. It's saying this. There are certain words. What is he saying? He's saying this. There are certain words which you need to retire. There are certain words which you need to take off the menu. That's what he's saying. Unwholesome words. There are certain words here which you just shouldn't be a part of your life anymore. And I can remember when I became a Christ follower and I was 17. And, uh, you know, I was a sports guy and all that. You know, so guys, you know, sports and all that. So, you know, this is cussing. You know, you just cuss. You know, you, you miss the play or whatever and you cuss. And so when I was 17 and uh, something happened, I can't remember. And, uh, and so I just, I, just, I just let out this cuss word and... and uh, and I felt this sense, I'm 17, and I feel this sense like, that, that's not for you, that's not how you're to communicate anymore. And I put that, I retired that word on the spot. I was on the, on the, uh, on the Harbor Freeway, uh, in, uh, going to Long Beach, and on the spot, I said, I'm retiring the word. And I retired that word. And so the power of words there, there are certain words in your life that you just need to retire those words. Only words which build people up. Only life-giving words. I know you can do it. And so let me just show you the power of words, that there is life and death in the power of words. I want to show you how, how powerful this is. So Ken Blanchard, you know, he wrote the One Minute Manager. You probably may have heard of him or heard of the book or read the book. So he's doing a conference there uh, for 3,000 grocery workers, right? 3,000. So you got the truck drivers. You got the box boys, you know. You got the baggers. You got the cashiers. And, and so Ken Blanchard and this other gal were giving this, uh, this talk here on how to bless people at the grocery Restore. So there's 3,000 people there. Well, one of the people there was a little 19-year-old guy. His name was Johnny, okay? Johnny had Down syndrome. 
So 19-year-old Johnny with Down syndrome is taking this in and listening, you know, and is getting, getting, uh, getting ideas about how he's going to bless people. And so Johnny then, he gets this idea here that uh, he goes home and he's gonna, he writes out a blessing, okay? He writes out a blessing and he puts six of them on a piece of paper, uh, the one blessing. He took many of them from the Bible. So he writes the blessing down and, uh, and then he cuts them out. He made 300 of them in a day. And then what he'd do, then what Johnny would do is he would have the blessing and, uh, and Johnny, he writes his name and he signs every one of the blessings. Johnny, uh, on, on the, on the blessing note there. And so what happened was, is that the manager of the store comes in and Johnny had done this for weeks, right? And so people would come in and he, and he would say this. I just wanted to bless you and I, I'm going to put the blessing inside your bag. And this blessing is just for you. And, and, and I signed it. So weeks are going by. And people are getting these blessings. And so the manager comes weeks later. And, and, and he looks at the line. And everybody's in Johnny's line. Like, they're not in the other lines. They're just in Johnny's line. There's like this long line, you know, going down the aisles there. And, and so he, he gets on the loudspeaker. And, and he says, um, cashiers, if you could just, man, I'll, you know, get some more aisles. Like there's one line and there's all these people in line. So, and the cashiers are like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we, like here we are. And so he still doesn't get it and he doesn't know what's going on. And so the manager goes up to the people and he, and he says, um, there's all these other lines and you, you don't have to wait in this, this long line. And you know what they said? They said, we don't want to get out of this line because we want to stay in Johnny's line. We want the we want Johnny's blessing. And so we're going to stay in this line. And the people wouldn't get out of the line because they just wanted to be blessed by this 19-year-old Down syndrome kid that said, you know what? I can bless people and I'm going to put a blessing in their bag. And there's life and death and the power of the tongue. And so, Johnny, if you don't believe me, just Google, just YouTube it, and you'll, you, can, you can read all about, you can hear about John, you can hear the story there. And so, in just a moment, what I want to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us stand together. And uh, it's one thing to hear someone give a talk like this, but it's a whole nother thing for us to live out the wisdom, the way of wisdom here. And so I'm going to have us do a couple things that we've never done before. So if you could just stand to your feet here. And in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you repeat after me. And uh, I'm going to have you repeat after me a few, a few things here, a few saints. And these are life-giving words. And you know, I just want us as a community to move in the direction that we're a community of individuals, but we speak, we speak life-giving words. And so, I want you to say this, I believe in you. I don't know if I believe that you meant that, so let me, let's say that again. Um, I believe in you. 
Now I want you to hang on to that phrase, and this is why. There's someone in your life that needs to hear that. There's someone in your world that's just lost a little whatever. There's someone in your world that's in a rough patch. And who is that person in your life that needs to hear that? Let's say it again. I believe in you. Life-giving words. Life and death and the power of the tongue. Here's the next one. I trust you. Could we say that? I trust you. You know what happens when you tell somebody that you trust them? They don't want to break your trust. They want to be a person thinking, I want to be trustworthy. And people will often rise to the level of the trust that you confer upon them. When I was a little boy, the one thing that my mom would always say to me is, Rodney, she called me Rodney, Rodney tells the truth. I trust Rodney. Rodney tells the truth. As a little kid, I was wondering like, where in the heck did that come from? I, what, what is she? Rodney tells the truth. Do I trust Rodney? And you know what? As a little guy, I just wanted to tell the truth. I didn't want to let my mom down that she could trust me to, to tell the truth. And those words, uh, they're formative, they're life-giving, they're identity-shaping words. Who in your life would rise to the new level if you would look them in the eye and just say, I trust you? Could we say that again? I trust you. And here's the next one. I'm proud of you. Could you say that? I'm proud of you. You see, my dad, he would speak life-giving words over me a thousand times. He's no longer here. But I hear the words and I see the words. My dad speaking over my life over and over again. Every card I ever got in my entire life, he sent me cards all the time. Every single card. Rod, I'm proud of you. And so, whose heart would soar if they heard those words that... I'm proud of you. Could you say that again? I'm proud of you. And lastly, I love you. Say it together, I love you. God wrote in the book, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'll never forsake you. And no matter what hole you've dug, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been with, God says, I love you with an everlasting love for God's so love that, that he gave here. And when we say this to our family, our friends, or our colleagues, I love you, there, there's something that happens. The words really do matter and sends our hearts soaring. God said this. He said words that sustain you and words that encourage you and life-giving words that, that bless you and, and give you strength. And may it be so, Lord, that we are more aware of your presence in our lives, that we would yearn for that to be real in every area of our lives, to sense that we are a people that you are with, that your presence is, is with us. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, 
If you've never taken Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know Him in a personal way to pray a simple prayer with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. and Father, just I want to open my heart to Jesus, to receive Him as my Savior, to walk with Him, to be forgiven, to be His child. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. There will be people up front, pastors and our prayer team, to, to pray with you. And lastly, if you, need, if you know somebody that needs to be here on Sunday mornings, would you just throw out an invite to them? I just feel like there's a lot of people that need to get a little bit wiser. And that's the journey we're going to be on for the next couple of months here. And so if you put yourself in a posture just to receive God's blessing here, and I uh, just want to speak His blessing over you. And so the first thing I want to do is just say a few things because of Jesus. And then I want to specifically bless the women and specifically bless the men. Words of life because there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Would you receive his blessing? And Father, thank you because of Jesus that you were known even before we were born, that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that we're chosen in you, that we're the children of God, a new creation, that we're not alone because of Jesus. We're loved. We're alive in Christ. You are his masterpiece. You are strengthened. He protects you. He defends you. He watches over you. You are free in him. You are healed. You are graced. And specifically, for all the women here today, I just want to speak these words. You are the beloved and highly valued daughter of the King of Kings. And you were created exactly the way that God wanted you. And you are His beautiful. God made you altogether lovely. You are beautifully unique and with infinite value. You are the apple of your heavenly Father's eye. And you are his resplendent and ever-favored bride. And because of Jesus, you lack nothing. And for all the men, all the sanctuary men, you could receive this. You are the favored son of the King of Kings, of all kings. And he created you on purpose and with a purpose. And God is with you. And you are a man whom God is with. And God is for you and not against you. And he's equipped you for every good work. And God has placed his Holy Spirit in you. And you find your identity in him. And you're not defined by your failures nor your success. You're not defined by the past or the opinions of others. You are defined by God and by God alone. alone. And you are His child. You are His adopted and you are His adored. And you fight the good fight of faith. And you don't give up. You never, never give up. You fight for your family and fight for your marriage. And you fight. And you are a warrior. And God is your strength. And you're an overcomer. You're a victor. You're triumphant. 
And you will act justly and love mercy. And you will walk humbly with your God. And you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. In Jesus' name, life and death in the power of the tongue. Go in peace. God bless you. See you next week.